Hello and welcome to Horror Culture Show, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And we are back with another Friday the 13th bonus episode. Yeah, few and far between. I can't remember when our last one was. <laughs> Sometime last year, wasn't it? No, it was this year. Oh, was it this year? Maybe. Oh, two this year. Might have been March. Maybe. Well, you're not getting another one until August next year, so make the most of this one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we might have to start doing it as a double episode thing. So... We are back and we're talking about Friday the 13th, part 3, 3D, released in 1982. Directed by Steve Miner, who also directed Friday the 13th, part 2. Uh, and, of course, is also responsible for the likes of Halloween, H2O, Lake Placid, Warlock, House and Soul Man. Oh, yeah. Soul Man. Oh, bloody hell. I'm pretty sure we had... We had the same sort of shot last time. <laughs> yeah, like, I think so. <laughs> um, made on a budget of $2.3 million and it made $36.7 million at the box office. So if anyone's not familiar, if, you, if you're new to listening to us um, and you haven't listened to the other Friday the 13th episodes, what we're doing is we're releasing an episode each Friday the 13th where we talk about an entry in the franchise. We've already spoke about parts one and two. Go and have a listen to them if you haven't already. Uh, but now let's get into part three. So this was the first of the Friday the 13th films to use the iconic hockey mask, which has been in every sequel since. Yeah, it, it is it is iconic. Obviously, the first film, Jason wasn't even the killer. No. The second film, he was a baghead. Yeah. And the hockey mask stuck pretty much until the end, didn't it? Yeah, it's still going. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's iconic. I don't, I don't think that was their intention. No. I don't think that was their intention to, to have the hockey mask as the this sort of iconic image. Um, but it works. Yeah, it if, works. if you say Friday the 13th to anyone now, then they're going to associate it with Jason and the hockey mask. Yeah. I think in terms of scariness, which the Friday the 13th films really aren't, um, but... I would put Baghead up there. Yeah. I don't know, it's something, it's something about a Baghead, I, I don't know, it's, you know, the town that dreaded sundown, had it, didn't it? Yeah, the and, strangers. And, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's quite scary. Yeah. Did the Zodiac kill it? The, like, the real-life Zodiac killer? I'm Did not, he wear a bag on his head? Not sure. It happened in um, Bloody Birthday as well, didn't it? Yeah. 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 So it's, it's a very popular image, um, even before Jason did it. Um, but the yeah, I mean, the hockey mask is something that couldn't be done by anyone else because it's so specific. Yeah, to Jason. and it, it works better purely from a marketing standpoint. You have that hockey mask on a poster. Yeah. It works. It looks much better. Well, look at the remake. Then, you know, they, they even the remake. It it kind of remakes the first three films all in one. But they had to do something like that because imagine doing a Friday the 13th remake where it's just Pamela Voorhees going around killing oh, people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, could you imagine? I mean, I'd be, I'd, I'd be up for it. Yeah, but, you know. <laughs> uh, the Royal Independent Movie Theatre in Toronto, Canada, which closed in 2006, had owned one of the few copies of the film in its original 3D format. Uh, they used to screen the film once every Halloween. Now, of course, as I mentioned, this is part three in 3D. Uh, jumping on the craze of 3D that spiked a bit in the 80s. This may have been the first one to do it. Was this before or after Jaws 3D? 
after? In fact, was this before or after Amateurville 3D? Yeah. Because those are the big three. You had a few minors. I think it was like Parasite 3D. Of course, throughout the 50s, 60s, 70s, you had them there as well. But it was many like smaller sci-fi B-movies. This used it really interestingly in, in, in that it was a slasher film with 3D. And it works. It 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 does. It is quite jarring. I mean, we watched it in two D. Yeah. So it it can, it's quite comical what they try. Like, yeah. They throw at the screen or like point at the camera, and it's like in three D that would look pretty cool. Yeah, with but the in two D, it's just you know the scenes are set up for this three yeah. D payoff. It's not all machetes coming towards the screen. It's stuff like baseball bats and yo yos and. Apples and shit. Yeah. Which is a bit weird. With the 80s, all the 3D was that type of thing. I mean, whereas nowadays, you know, 3D is such a expected thing with a lot of films um, to the point that it, sometimes it feels like it's just there for the background scenery and to make it look uh, a little otherworldly, should we say? Yeah, I think 3D these days is about immersion yeah. and immersing yourself within the film. Um, rather than 3D back in the day, which was kind of a more like, look Gimmicks. what we can do, yeah. you know, this is really cool. You know, it's the old William yeah. Castle thing where uh, it, it gets butts and seats because people go and it's an experience rather than brings you closer to the action in the film. Yeah. Um, so the original plan for this film involved Ginny played by Amy Steele, uh, from the previous... Ginny! From Friday the 13th Part 2, being confined to a psychiatric hospital, suffering from the trauma inflicted on her during the ordeal with Jason, she eventually finds that, intent on revenge, he has tracked her down and he begins to murder the staff and other patients at the hospital. Uh, Steele ultimately declined the offer to return to the series as she was busy with her projects, but has since said that she thinks she should have accepted. I think she should have accepted, even if that is a Halloween 2 ripoff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, this this film was a rip off anyway, and we'll get into that. You know, the, the Friday the Thirteenth franchise is very much, uh, you know, a copy and paste formula up until a certain point. It, it, it's yeah. Jason. I mean, obviously, apart from the first one, it, from parts two to seven, it's Jason at a camp killing off teenagers. You know, it it works. It's entertaining. It it, it things that differentiate differentiate the films is. The, the kills, essentially. The, you know, you're always looking for some new inventive ways of Jason killing people in each film. You know, That's what you're watching for. I mean, obviously, you get to part eight, it changes, then they try something different part nine, part ten. It becomes stupid. It's still entertaining, but yeah. it becomes stupid. Um, whereas, that's why I like the remake so much. It goes back to basics and it works. I... I would like to see Jason in a hospital setting, though. I think that would be good. We got it slightly in part four, at the beginning of part yeah. four. It would it would yeah. be nice to see a whole film based around that. Yeah, I think it could work. Yeah, because it is quite, you know, cut and paste formula. And I, I find with the Friday the 13th films is it's not until Tommy Jarvis is introduced that you get any real consistency between the film plots. Mm. You know, well, I mean, they are connected, and they do make a point of saying how they're connected. Yeah, but in, in but character sense, wise, but, yeah, character yeah. wise, you, you kind of so you had um, Adrian King. Who did she play? Adrian King played Alice. Alice. So you had Alice return and be killed off straight away in part two, 
but Ginny, it just kind of survives and that's it. And then the, the girl in part, uh, Chris, in part three, as you'll find out, she survives and she's never heard from mm. again. Yeah. You know, part four is when Tommy Jarvis is introduced and then we have a, a kind of trilogy of Tommy Jarvis films. So it's more connected in that sense. And, and you, you get that with franchises, you know, Halloween is probably a little more connected because you, you have the introduction of Jamie, who is Laurie's daughter. So the character of Laurie is still a presence in each of those films, to a certain degree. I know she's killed off off screen between them, but her daughter takes her place and to a certain degree. Whereas I find with Friday the 13th, you, you kind of just get these, you know, female final girls just mm. plopped in. I think what we need here is... The next the next film is going to be the 13th film in the franchise. I think what we need here is a film with a survivors group, a Jason survivors group, all the final girls going for revenge on Jason. Yeah. I think that's what needs to happen. And if that happens now, then we've got this podcast episode to say I thought of it. And Yeah, I suppose Jason's motive is never revenge. It's just get off my land. Well... <laughs> <laughs> essentially yeah whereas freddy krueger that's revenge isn't it he's yeah. getting revenge on the elm street kids uh michael myers is trying to kill his family well uh gets a little confused depends by which the timeline you know. yeah but you know the the official timeline that was going around but that's one time. thing i'll say about his franchises it stuck with one timeline yes, throughout the entire yeah. thing like yeah. this i mean until the remake it's always been the same thing. Yeah. It doesn't try to overdo it. No. So, f- which, you know... <laughs> you fucking liar. Have you seen Jason Goes to Hell? Yeah. Where it's his daughter or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, the, that one is... Until Jason Goes to Hell, where everything goes out the window, it doesn't try and overdo it. You're essentially getting the same film six, seven times in yeah. a row, aren't you, really? But eight, excuse me, oh, bloody hell. I forgot about Jason Takes Manhattan. Hopefully we can skip that on the podcast. Uh, no. <laughs> Awful film. <laughs> to prevent the film's plot being leaked, the production used the fake title Crystal Japan after a David Bowie song, and this began uh, an ongoing thing, uh, a tradition of giving Friday the 13th films David Bowie song titles during filming. What plot? <laughs> what plot? Yeah. Aren't you supposed to have some sort of twist or a big reveal to want to actually... <laughs> <laughs> not, not get your plot, uh, your, your script out there. It's true. It's, uh, like yeah. what? What they're gonna reveal? Oh, oh, it's exactly the same as the previous film. <laughs> Larry Zerner was cast as Shelley when the producer spotted him hang, handing out flyers for a horror film and asked if he wanted to star in one himself. That does not surprise me. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't actually. He's got <laughs> he's got a look to him. Bless him, he has got a look. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get into this character a little later. (laughs) Although it appears sunny and warm, the film was shot during a January-February winter. Several night scenes were trimmed in order to conceal the actor's visible breath during... Oh, God. uh, Appearing on screen. Uh, Yeah, you could tell. (laughs) They are all... For most of the Friday the 13th films, don't they? Well, it's like we said about Mad Men. They're they're wearing jackets and stuff, and it's meant to be summer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm assuming it gets cold at night. But, yeah, they didn't. It doesn't look particularly sunny in any of these films at any point. 
Martin J. Uh, Sadoff, the film's 3D effects supervisor, is responsible for coming up with Jason's hockey mask. Uh, he always kept a bag with him full of hockey gear on set because he was an avid hockey fan. Whilst testing uh, potential masks for Jason to use, he pulled out a Detroit Red Wings goalie mask for the test, and Steve Miner loved the look and after making some modifications to it, decided to use it in a film. So thank God for Martin J. Sadoff being a hockey fan. I know. Does he have no old Leonard Nimoy masks? No, no. Could paint. According to the book Crystal Lake Memories, uh, which is a fucking beefy book, we own it. It's uh, yeah. If you're you're a fan of Friday Thirteenth, it's I'm pretty sure it's a must own. Uh, that was made into a documentary. It as was, well, and that is also it? a must own. That was really yeah. Great. That's a beefy documentary too. Yeah, beefy. Um, Chris's past encounter with Jason was originally intended to imply a sexual assault. The series was meant to conclude with this entry, and the writers wanted the audiences to be pleased with Jason's demise, reasoning that if uh, he were portrayed as a rapist, they'd have no interest in seeing him come back. It was ultimately decided this was too dark a direction to take the character, and those elements were removed from the film. Well, yeah, it wouldn't make any sense. Why would Jason want to rape anyone? But then, Chris's story doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> I think that was the big plot twist. I didn't want anyone to... Uh... <laughs> the big plot twist is Chris's backstory doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and obviously we'll get that into, into that in the podcast, but... This is the podcast. Welcome. In the pod- the rest of the podcast, <laughs> when we get to there in the film. Well, am I being recorded? Uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the producers decided uh, to not use the burlap sack Jason wore in the previous film because of its unintentional similarities to David Lynch's The Elephant Man. Okay. <laughs> unintentional. When was The Elephant Man released? 18, 1980. So, unintentional? Maybe not. But it was in the second film. That yeah. was filmed in 1981. Yeah, after The Elephant Man was released. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this was Paramount's first 3D film since Ulysses. Ulysses. Uh, Ulysses in 1954, 28 years earlier. Oh, okay. And when asked why 3D, the filmmaker said they needed an advertising gimmick that now their audiences had caught onto their storytelling formula. And two months <laughs> after the release of Part 2, a 3D comedy western from Spain called Coming At Ya made a stunning for the time $12 million, mostly due to the novelty of its use of 3D. Since Friday the 13th was built around stabbing instruments uh, protruding outward at the screen, a 3D version seemed natural. So it became the first Paramount film in 3D since 1956, as well as the first ever 3D film to receive a wide theatrical release. So there you go, it was before the others. Oh. So this was the trendsetter oh. um, okay. for a major Hollywood studio. The, uh, the use of 3D equipment in theatres in the past demanded 3D films only play on a limited number of screens, but obviously with this, worldwide, and made a shitload of money. Question. What? Nightmare on Elm Street 3D. Do you what? think it would have worked? Do you think Dream Warriors would have oh, worked? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course it would have. Yeah. I think that really would have worked as a hey, 3D We already film. had a Nightmare on Elm Street 3D. Shut so. up. Shut up. <laughs> By some estimates, Paramount was forced to spend between 8 and $10 million to actually get Part 3 into theatres. That's because they ended up making, supplying and installing the individual lenses and silver screens 
uh, required to project part three in all 1,079 theatres which showed the film on opening weekend in August 1982. And they also had to train the projectionists at the theatres and establish a 24-hour hotline for all of the theatres encountering problems with the 3D. So they went to a lot of effort. Jesus Christ. Could you have made many? Yeah. God, that sounds like a right pain in the ass. Uh, and of course, um, it wasn't easy with filming either. So this is the first uh, 3D film to use the Marx 3D system. Um, the earlier scenes that are filmed, such as the opening tracking shot and Shelley and the bikers at the convenience store, had to be completely reshot due to difficulties with the 3D camera. And you had to be careful which colours to include in costumes. And everything had to be lit far brighter than normal. It took hours to set up individual shots, meaning the actors on the film spent most of their time simply sitting around waiting for the next shot to be set up. A common onset experience for actors, but just far longer uh, than normal this time. The focus on 3D spilled over to the actors. Initially, they were asked to learn how to use a paddle ball for a planned 3D sequence, which was then scrapped. They looked for any way the actors could do something that would play while in 3D. <laughs> like the juggling, or throwing a wallet straight at the camera, or another actor dropping a yo-yo down towards the camera. Indeed, many of the actors now recorded has far more focus on finding cool 3D film things uh, for the film rather than acting. Yeah, it shows, if I'm being honest. <laughs> Wasn't it in the documentary, um, the, the actor who played Shelley said that he had to do the shot where he was throwing the wallet like so many times yes that because he had to get it right on on the the, the spot yeah was needed that and uh chili's death scene oh with the, uh, the hot poker yeah that i think that was filmed like multiple times to get it right apparently those cameras are really loud as well yeah like, nah. well it was 1982 yeah <laughs> Uh, Jeremy Solnia, who directed Green Room and Murder Party, included this film in a list of films that inspired him to become a filmmaker. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Green Room is quite a classy horror film, I'm quite surprised. <laughs> Two alternate endings were shot. One as Chris doing the same thing to kill Jason, except Ali barely survives, uh, and both of them escape with Jason walking away uh, because when the police arrive, his body is not there. The other ending has Chris killed Jason, then go out in the canoe and fall asleep. In her dream, Jason decapitates her with a machete. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. Glad they went with the theatrical ending? Yeah. <laughs> They're all a bit meh, if I'm being honest. <laughs> Several deaths in the film have to be cut to avoid an X-ray from the MPAA. Uh, which include the following. Andy's death was shown his leg being cut off and his stomach being ripped open. Vera's death for too much gore and looking too real. Edna's death was cut because of excessive blood flow. Chili's impalement was cut because of a shot showing steam in blood hitting the floor. Debbie's death scene was also trimmed, which all originally showed blood running down her chest and splattering on her face. Yeah, an ongoing thing with the Friday the 13th franchise is the MPAA Practically butchering. Yeah, like, really? It seems like every film... Yeah. ...has... Go, ...gets into issues with the MPAA. Yeah, and it really starts to show later on, once you get to, like, part seven. Um, I mean, each and every one of these films had much more gorier death scenes. 
which no one seems to... A lot of them are included on the special features, but no one seems to have done extended versions of these edited in, which is no. shocking, really. I suppose that's the problem where you... You know, this is a major studio film mm. for a wide release to a big audience. If you're going for the big money, mm. then you, you're going to probably get into more trouble with the censors than if you were a little art film that's only showing at a few cinemas, you know, a little independent thing. Because there's much bloodier films out there, much mm-hmm. more graphic films from around that time. Yeah. Uh, that, that seem to be okay, you know, that we yeah. watch now. Uh, Debbie's, um, Debbie's death in the film via Machete was obviously a homage to Kevin Bacon's death in the first film. Uh, they reused Tom Savini's actual effect from the first film to achieve the shot. So it's pretty much a recreation of that scene, but gender switched with a hammock instead of a bed. And ironically, she's reading an article on Tom Savini at the time. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> um, people involved in the making of the film hated the dream sequence ending with Mrs. Voorhees because the because of the obvious logic that Chris never met a woman who would have no idea who she is. Yeah. <laughs> And it's just a real cheap knockoff of the uh, iconic uh, jump scare at the end of Friday the 13th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Stan Winston was brought in to create and sculpt Jason's face. Uh, Winston's mask was never used in the film, but can be seen in the alternate ending where Jason decapitates Chris, which hasn't been released, so... Oh. We ain't gonna get to see that. And finally, body count in this one is 12, but 13 if you include Debbie and Andy's unborn child. Oh my god! <laughs> That's grim. I mean, when you look at it, it is quite grim that he killed a pregnant It is really grim, woman. actually. That is very grim. So the plot is, Adam revived from his wounds, Jason Voorhees takes refuge at a cabin near Crystal Lake. As a group of co-eds arrive for their vacation, Jason continues his killing spree. And we open with the <laughs> entire... End. Which is the plot summary for all the films. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, apart from part four, it's got a family in it as well. There we go. <laughs> the inter- we start with the entire ending sequence of Friday the 13th, part two, up until the scene where Jason is hit with a machete and Ginny escapes with a boyfriend. Yes, so we're not going to go through that because you should have listened to our <laughs> podcast on Friday the 13th, part two. Yes. So if you don't know what we're going on about... Go back to that. Yeah, because reason. the 80s had this thing where they always assumed you didn't watch the film before. Yeah. <laughs> it's because they wanted to make more and more and more and more money. And I think particularly with this one in 3D, because she didn't have a home video market yeah. at that time, a lot of the people who went to see this probably didn't see part two. Yeah. Um, you know, because the, the these sequels make more and more money each time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you get into sort of the video market and you assume that people have already seen the, the first one and what's Hellraiser 2's excuse who's going to randomly go see Hellraiser 2 <laughs> <laughs> that's loads of flashbacks to the first film I think that's just poor filmmaking <laughs> and then there's the Silent Night Deadly Night how dare you and then the Silent Night Deadly Night 2 that shows you the entire first film <laughs> now that is poor filmmaking that's just uh, we haven't got enough here let's just really pad this out yeah yeah we've we've, we've got like no money to make a film but we kind of need it to be feature length what should we do um, apparently Hell's Vice 2 does the same thing as well yeah yeah, yeah but the dog has a flashback doesn't it that's the iconic scene so after we get the ending of Friday the 13th part 2, we get a close-up of Pamela Voorhees' head 
and the 3D titles come zooming out the screen at you. Along with... Along with the best theme of any of these Friday the 13th films. It's pure disco, isn't it? Yeah. It's amazing. It is so good. I don't know where this came from. It's still Harry Manfredini. It is, yeah. He did all of them. Uh, What the fuck were they thinking? It's great. Uh, I'm not complaining, but... What were they thinking? <laughs> I love it. This this is of all the one the the Friday the Thirteenth films. This is the one I would buy the soundtrack for. You've got all these strings and psycho esque music in all the other films, and then this comes along. It's like it's a bit of disco for you. Yes, like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah, I can't do it, but <laughs> listen to it, YouTube it. I mean, you could Spotify. just pay a trip to Claire's accessories near Halloween. Don't. So there's <laughs> a little story for you. I went, Claire's Accessories is like a, how would you describe it? It's like a shop for girls, um, like makeup and hair accessories and and stuff like that. It's all very girly stuff. Um, And, you know, gender's a construct. So I I went in there one day and uh, there was a, uh, it was a Halloween poo. So it was like the poo emoji, but it had a witch's hat. And it danced and it went back, you know, left and right as it danced. And the music it played, I swear, it sounded exactly like the Friday the 13th part three. It was. Theme. There was no doubt about that. Was, I don't, I don't yeah. know. I don't know who. Do you think Claire's Accessories is a big fan of Friday the 13th <laughs> part three? Do you think Harry Manfredini is making money from that literal piece of shit? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> uh, he's made some money for some absolute shit. Jason takes Manhattan. Um, but I wish, I wish I would have bought it, actually. Because, you know, I would have played it right now if I would have had it. How disappointing. <laughs> if only I knew what would the future would hold. So, yeah, so we get the opening titles. Once we get rid of Pamela Voice's head, it's just smoke. Yeah, it's, <laughs> In the yeah. background. Yeah. With, with the 3D titles coming out. And because we're not watching it in 3D, we notice these things. We're then introduced to Harold and his wife, Edna. What's Harold got? Uh, big meaty moustache. He has got a big meaty moustache. He also has a terrible eating problem, um, <laughs> which we'll get to shortly. He, he knocks the washing line pole, whatever you call them, over. Yeah, so it's very... There's a lot of moments in Friday the 13th Part 3 that seem like they're references to older films or <laughs> rip-offs. So you've got the washings out on the line. It's very windy. And it just... It, there's just loads of big sheets on there, isn't yeah. there? So it's a bit like when Laurie looks out the window. No, it's exactly Halloween. that. Like, literally, is, in a few yeah. minutes' time, you literally see Jason standing behind them. Yeah, you do, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's a bit of a rip-off of that scene. Yeah, he knocks the pole over and his wife is fuming because she went to so much effort cleaning his clothes. Uh, so he then sticks the pole out, out of the screen in 3D. He does. <laughs> um, you, yeah, you're going to hear a lot of fuming in this episode because a lot of people are fuming in this oh, film. Oh, yeah, they do, they do fume. There is also a lot of not. bizarre sequences of events. Um, <laughs> there's a news report given Friday the 13th Part 2 exposition, in case you missed it. So, was uh, please remind me, is there a scene at the end of Part 2 where she's being wheeled into an ambulance? Yes. There is. Yeah. So that's what they show on the TV, yeah. is Ginny. 
So, so they identify Ginny, don't they? Except in that scene, she's like, where's Steve, or whatever her boyfriend's name, where's Steve in that scene, in the film? Yeah. But in this, on the news, she's just going, ah, ah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She was not making those noises. <laughs> Jason, without his mask on, is standing amongst the washing, like Michael Myers. Yeah. Uh, Edna goes to get the washing in whilst Jason watches her, but then when she turns her head, he teleports. This film introduces the Jason Voorhees teleporting skills. <laughs> um, he just disappears and she looks around. <laughs> uh, but then when she turns her head again, he's there. Harold is feeding the fish and he thinks the fish doesn't want the food, so to encourage them, he starts eating some of it himself. Yeah. In, a, in our first of many bizarre sequence of events, he finds a rabbit in the veg section... Uh, and I know, trying to eat a carrot of course <laughs> and I know we talk about a lot of dirty stuff on this podcast but an actual rabbit um, <laughs> a rabbit, a rabbit. <laughs> and he uh, encourages uh, he, he, I know that's the fish scene I'm looking at my wrong notes <laughs> he, he finds the rabbit and then he continues to eat and drink literally I think he comes across yeah so he drinks some juice puts it back so, so he's in a shop they own a shop don't they yeah uh, so he drinks some juice and then puts it back on the shelf. He starts to eat a, what I believe was a donut. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, we get our first of what feels like a thousand... <laughs> fake jump scares. Fake jump scares <laughs> when his wife appears and she's fuming. Yeah. Because he's meant to be on a diet. Yeah, the doctor's... <laughs> eating behind her back. Yeah, the doctor said he's going to be ill if he carries on eating. So Harold goes to put the rabbit back. And he gets to the hutch, doesn't he, in the garage. Yeah. And the other rabbit is dead. Yeah. And so, he's like, who would do such a thing? Who, who did such a thing? Uh, and, our next fake jump scare is <laughs> a snake. In jumps 3D. out straight at the screen. Strings and all. The strings in 3D. Yeah. Yes, they were. <laughs> uh, very fake looking snake. snake. Very fake looking snake. Comes at the screen. And I know what you're thinking, but no. That doesn't conclude this bizarre series of events. It continues. Well, it scares the shit out of him, doesn't it, Gary? He runs to the toilet <laughs> and has one of the loudest shits in cinematic history. It's, a, it's like splashing. Was that necessary? Really unnecessary. Uh, we he... know the term scaring the shit out of someone. We don't have to witness it. <laughs> he doesn't... Big old splashy shit. <laughs> he hears a weird noise and goes out to investigate. Without wiping. Without wiping. So he doesn't wipe his ass before he goes outside. Very classy. Uh, and as a punishment for this, he gets a meat cleaver to the chest. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it still doesn't conclude our bizarre series of events. Because now Edna goes and investigates. She's fuming. She's really fuming now. And what's, what's going on here? <laughs> what's up for our next fake jump scare in fake 3D? Fake jump scare in 3D is a rat. But it's actually a real rat. Yeah. It's actually Walking a on rat. a piece of wood. Walking, so there's like a piece of wood sticking out somewhere for absolutely no reason. <laughs> and so we get our nice little fake jump scare of the rat coming out. It seems quite a friendly rat, to be fair. I don't yeah. know what a problem is. But she is so disgusted by this. The woman who caught her husband having a feast on fuck knows what he was eating is so disgusted by this that she walks back, walks into a door, and Jason sticks his hand through and sticks a knitting needle right through her head. 
In 3D? Yes, in 3D. <laughs> and uh, in case you were wondering, no, the washing didn't get brought in. <laughs> no. The washing is still there. Both of them have a go at it, but they just give all yeah. times. What was the point in these two characters? <laughs> like, seriously. This, this did not need to happen. I'm glad it did, but it did not need to happen. Yeah, what was it setting up? What was the point? <laughs> Nothing that makes a single bit what of difference. What did they do to disturb Jason? Surely they lived there a while. Yeah. Anyway, it's it was still shit, but firmly entertaining. Yeah. Uh, so we get kids playing baseball, and one of them is playing baseball in 3D! Oh, so the baseball bat's like sticking right at the yeah, screen. Yeah, for a long time. For a very long time. <laughs> See these things, so you get these things sticking at the screen, and it, it tends to be the random ones, like the baseball bat and the yo-yo and, and that shit, that seems to like stay there for a very long time. Yeah. Doesn't it? I, th- I think because stuff like the snake, the they're a little iffy, aren't they? You can see the strings mm-hmm. and such. They tend to cut away quite quickly, so, you're bit, so you don't see them. <laughs> but uh, when it comes to like the normal stuff, just like the objects being held, they're there for ages. Yeah. Like, okay, we get it. Well done. <laughs> Impressive. So... Um, uh, by this point, it was a yearly thing. So our yearly Friday the Thirteenth teenage, I say in quote marks, uh, stereotypes are getting out of a van. This year we have Chris, who is without a doubt the best final girl from Friday the Thirteenth franchise. I agree. Debbie and Andy. Uh, Debbie's pregnant, but they're the couple that love sex. Uh, because we know this because Chris says all they think about is sex, sex, sex. They've brought Shelly along with them, a prankster type. They're going to pick up uh, Vera, who is a girl trying to be put on to the ugly guy stereotype. That's a thing. Is yeah. it? It's happened in a few slasher films. She's, yeah, I suppose Vera is quite different, actually. Hmm. And, of course, we have two stoners. But, of course, um, we, we need to set up for these characters so we know what type of people they are. So, Shelley tries scaring uh, Chris, Debbie and Andy with a mask. Yeah, so he's walking over to them with, like, a clear mask on and some sort of weapon, uh, like a fake weapon, and goes to sta- and stabs Andy mm-hmm. and give, gives him a fake jump scare because we, we've suffered enough already, so he, yeah. he deserves one. And uh, so he calls Shelley an arsehole, and Shelley says, I'm not an arsehole, I'm an actor. To which Andy says, same thing. Yeah. So, in uh, Friday the 13th films, as you know, in part one and two, we had our pranksters. Yeah. Um, they all get more and more unbearable. This one is that exact type of character, except this time around, Shelley's genuinely not an actor. Um, like, he, as we said in the trivia, he was pulled off the street. Um... And he has this thing where he'll pull a prank at like an absolute twat and then he'll start immediately feeling sorry for himself straight after. Yeah. I don't know if that makes him more annoying. He's really annoying. He's a fucking arsehole. Because like this here is like, ah, prank out. Oh, I, feel yeah, I can't be myself. like super toxic. Yeah. But yeah. then like really feel sorry for himself. Yeah. No, he does. Because he uses it as an excuse. Yeah. Yeah. He's awful. Um. So... <laughs> 
I, I, a lot of the characters on this film are actually made playable in the Friday the 13th game. I feel like this is the one that really was referenced yeah. in the Friday the 13th game, yeah. character-wise. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so he um, he starts moaning about his life and whatever. Well, he says, well, would you be yourself if you looked like this? Yes, he's being set up on a blind date with Vera and, and Andy tells him to be himself and then that's when he asks that question. We, we, we said something similar yesterday when we were watching another film. But I'll say it again now. Imagine being the actor and they brought you off the street and say, <laughs> we've got a perfect role for you. Perfect. Come and, you know, do our film. Here's the script. Shelley says, would you be yourself if you looked like this? <laughs> Imagine that poor actor being like, oh, do I have to say that? I look like what? What do I look like? Am I hideous? <laughs> Imagine it. Well, I think with the money this film made, I doubt he cared. (laughs) If it's gone from handing out flyers to getting a role in a film that's made this much money. These films, especially back in the day, I bet they got paid fairly little, really. (laughs) I I would would definitely say that. Do you think it would have earned a difference? (laughs) Uh, No, no. But, you know, I I don't think we're in Ashley Lawrence buying a new fridge freezer That's territory. a story for another episode. <laughs> um, so, they, uh, we might have to do, it's a really random film, we might have to do that just because of that bit of trivia. Yeah. Um, they knock the door for Vera and her Spanish aunt or mum or whatever mom, relation is a mum. Yeah. yeah. She yeah. answers the door and tells them that she's not going. So, we get a very loud Spanish argument. Do you think Vera's really Spanish? Okay. I don't. It should be Hispanic, won't she? Yeah, she. I, I. It's hard to think she is. I was expecting to have some sort of accent, but she came because of the, uh, the argument. It sounded like someone completely different, and she comes out and she's like the most American girl in the cast. Well, I mean, she she was born and raised in America. I mean, I don't think her mum sounded particularly. She did. She had an accent. Did she? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm not sure then. Yeah, um, so sure. she comes out, uh, and she's still leaving, but she is disappointed to find out that her blind date is Shelley. Wouldn't we all be? <laughs> yeah, he actually apologises, yeah. doesn't she? Like... Apologises for existing. <laughs> <laughs> but, sure, I... uh, like, Vera, I, I don't really get Vera's relationship to the group. No. Because she only really interacts with Shelley. Yeah. Who she only meets on that day. So I'm not really sure... I'm assuming she's Chris's friend, but they don't really interact too much. She's basically just uh, another person there to be killed. <laughs> yeah, essentially. <laughs> but, you know, it, I, the character's Hispanic, of course. I'm not sure if the actress was... I, I don't think the actress is. You know, it wouldn't be... You know, going it, uh, it wouldn't be too different for a non-Hispanic person to play a Hispanic person in a film in the eighties. Mm. Hello, aliens. Um, so potentially, you know, that that's iffy. But is this like the first, like time one of the the main characters in a Friday the Thirteenth film? Has been Hispanic, I, I believe so, isn't it? We also get some African American representation in this film. Yeah, we do. We do. We'll, we'll get on to that. Um, 
Yeah. Friday the 13th as a whole can be quite whitewashed, particularly the earlier films. Yeah. Um, but, I, I mean, is it a good thing? The, the problem is, if the actress isn't, then... Uh, I'm sorry, we probably should have done our research beforehand. Um, but it's a step in the right direction. Did we get a Hispanic... But then it comes character. to the African-American representation, and that is certainly not a step in the right no, direction. It's not. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. The, so they all think the van's on fire, there's a lot of smoke coming from it. But hey, it's just Chuck and Chili getting high. <laughs> yeah, the stoners are called Chuck and Chili. Chuck and Chili. <laughs> Shelley is shocked that all they want to do all weekend is smoke weed. Because uh, there's much better things to do, he says. What are you going to do with your life? Smoke dope? <laughs> They're better than what you're doing, you fucking knobhead. <laughs> yeah, he's judging his own lifestyles. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm shit and whatever. Yeah. But then he's judging other people's lifestyles. Yeah. If they smoke a bit of weed, maybe a little too much, at least they're not going around fucking pestering and annoying people <laughs> constantly. Shut up, Shelley. We get some exposition that Debbie's pregnant. Yeah, because she needs to pee a lot. Yeah. So then we find out she's pregnant. It's completely pointless, her being pregnant in this film. Yeah. It, it doesn't mean anything. There's no point to it. Um, you know, it's, it's a Friday the 13th slasher film. We're not looking for human stories here. Maybe they did it to make it look like she was going to be the final girl. Pot- potentially. Um, but then her death is such a throwaway, non... Mm. You, you know, it, it's just another slasher film death. Yeah. It doesn't really mean anything. So I, I, I don't know if we're meant to feel more sorry for her because she's pregnant. I ain't going to lie. I wouldn't be surprised if many people forgot she was pregnant by the end of the film. <laughs> You know, it's it's only really mentioned twice. Yeah. And right... <laughs> no, we'll get on to, we'll get on to that point. <laughs> um, we get, uh, obviously, that exposition. Chili points a uh, joint towards the screen in 3D. Ooh. Uh, Vera wants to know what's in Shelley's box. And he says, his whole life, stick around and you'll find out. What was in the fucking box? Oh, I don't know. We Gwyn- never found Gwyn- out. Patra's head. Yeah. We, we never find out what's actually in there. No. Why did they make a point of this? Because he's a twat. What was in the box was probably all his get-up to do mm. these shitty, stupid pranks. And if that's his life, then... Wow. It's a, it's a sad life. They let some police pass after a bit of panicking. Uh, I'm thinking they're after them. Yes. They, they start eating the weed, don't they? Yeah. And then... And then <laughs> Debbie's like... I can't, oh, I can't eat the weed. I'm pregnant. <laughs> but, spoiler alert, she don't say no to a beer later on no. in the film, does she? No. Uh, <laughs> um, turns out the police are off to the shop. Yes. To uh, get Edna, Edna, and Har- Edna and Harold. Fucking hell. There's names. Edna and Harold's bodies. Yes. Uh, so, after they see this, uh, Chris is a bit shaken up by this. Uh, it looks like she remembers something, but we don't know what just yet. No, thank God. Um, <laughs> they nearly run over a crazy guy in the middle of the road. He's basically a budget version of Ralph from the first two films. Yeah, he's a little bit of a cross. Uh, I, I found this scene to be a bit of a rip-off of Texas Chainsaw, because they're all yeah. in a van, and they're, they're driving past some roadkill. Oh, like, Shelley's absolutely Franklin. Yeah, Absolutely. 
Um, but they're driving past some roadkill and it, it's shot very similar to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There's a crazy guy in the middle of the road. Uh, very similar to, obviously this is the replacement for Crazy Ralph who was killed in the last film. But it was also a bit like that guy in Texas Chainsaw Massacre that sits in the tyre yeah. and starts rambling on about some old shit. Uh, what makes this old man different is that he's got an eyeball in his hands. Well, what makes him different is that he looks like Chuck's grandfather. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Shelley says, Shelley, the judgmental prick that he is, don't touch him. You don't know where he's been. <laughs> Jesus Christ. For a guy that, you know, has a lot of low self-esteem, he's surely, he, he definitely has a lot to say about others, doesn't he? He does. Budget Ralph has an eyeball and says he was given the eyeball to warn them. Yeah. Um, so they run away and drive off, all panicking, and he puts it towards the audience in 3D. Ooh. Um, but it's not really clearly an eyeball, is it? Because you see it from the side. You don't see yeah. the, the iris or the pupil or any anything well, like that. We know it's an eyeball because... Um, was it Adam? I forgot his name already. Jesus Christ. Do you know what it looks like? A poached egg. It does look a poached egg. Andy, sorry. Uh, we know it's an eye because Andy says very clearly, it's an eye. He's got an eye. <laughs> so we know it's an eye. Thank you. Uh, they arrive at Higgins Haven, all laughing now, like nothing's ever happened. <laughs> they get over this quite quickly, actually. <laughs> they arrive at Higgins... And the guy's <laughs> never seen of again. He doesn't get no, covered. No. He doesn't get killed. He's just some crazy guy with an eye. One yeah. Of the... <laughs> um, Higgins Haven is on Crystal Lake. Very appropriate. Yeah. Uh, and when they get there, Chris goes into the house building thing, and uh, Rick forces a kiss on her, continuing the slasher slashes in summer camps tradition of people forcing themselves on people. Yes, unfortunately, uh, Rick is very toxic. Shelley's toxic, but Rick is toxic as well. Isn't yeah. He? Thankfully, we get a really good death scene for Rick. <laughs> yeah, we do. Yeah. Um, but, okay, so this place is on Crystal Lake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Crystal Lake is where the previous murders have occurred. Yeah. Yeah. And no one mentions it. No. No, no, no. one mentions it. it. It's been on the TV... I'm assuming, obviously, the uh, original film's deaths have been on the TV. And the story is what happened to Chris the year before. So when is this set? So this is set right the day after part two. So when is part two set? Oh, now that is a question no one knows the answer to. Oh, my Lord, of course. Yeah. But But either way, the entire campfire story in part two about... Jason and Pamela Voorhees and what she did in the first film. Yeah. So they know it's happened. So they know it's happened. But no one in part three men- ever mentions it. E- no. Even Shelley doesn't mention mm. what happened there. Yeah. Anyway. It's just, it's just a little bit of illogical writing. But Friday the 13th franchise is full of that, wasn't it? Yeah, so Rick forces a kiss on Chris. She's not happy about it. She says that she's a bit worried about being back there and such, but he doesn't give a shit about that. Tries it on again after she, he tells her to greet him properly, and she does. Yeah, he's like, do you not say hello? You prick. You never said hello. No. Oh, Rick the prick. There we go. Yeah. That's his name. So she says hello, and then he tries it on again, 
and then he tells her that he can't take any more cold showers. He then gives her a piggyback and tells her she's put on loads of weight since last year. You know, he's apparently not seen her in two years. He actually does. This is apparently playful banter in 1982. Yeah. Uh, Then, but more fat shame, and everyone's going skinny dipping, and Shelley says he can't go because they told him he's not skinny enough. No, they never told him. He says it. I thought they told him. No, they never told him that. No, well, yeah, but, he, he but no one disagrees with it. So he's telling Chris that, well, this is a fake jump scare, isn't it? Yeah, of she, course. He's in the van when Chris goes to the, back to the van. Uh, so we get a, a fake jump scare and she says, why are you not at the lake? He said, oh, they've gone skinny dipping and I'm not skinny enough to skinny dipping. And she's, yeah. instead of saying, oh no, Shelley, you know, it doesn't matter what you look like. She's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> no one gives a shit about each other in this film. Get to bed, you beast. As much as Chris is my favourite final girl from any Friday the 13th film, she's a bit of a bitch, really, because, I mean, she doesn't correct, she doesn't correct Shelley when he says he's too fat to go skinny dipping. Yeah. And then, Debbie wants to know where her bed is, and she's like, oh, you're looking at it, and it's a fucking hammock. Yeah. Pregnant Debbie, pregnant Debbie, who's reminded to... us multiple times that she's pregnant, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> has to sleep on a hammock. Yeah, she gives her the hammock. I'm assuming everyone else got a bed. Everyone else gets a bed. And she gets the hammock. <laughs> with, with her and her boyfriend in yeah. the hammock. I mean, Debbie comes around later and enjoys the hammock. Yeah. Um, but for that, yeah, the problem with Chris is she doesn't actually come into her own until the end. Yeah. And that's when she becomes my favourite. <laughs> actually, during the film, she... <laughs> She's not, she, she fucking goes on and on about what happened to her, but never fully explains it until much later on in the film. It's fucking annoying. And even then, it's not really that serious. It's the 1982 version of going onto your Facebook and writing a, state, a statement. Oh, statement? I just, a status saying, oh, I just cannot get over what happened to me last year. <laughs> Chris Chit has checked into the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> You okay, no her? Caption. You okay? Oh, inbox me, her. <laughs> inbox me, her. And let me know what happened a year ago. <laughs> so she's yeah, she's going around like, oh, it's been so long since that incident. Oh yeah, by the way, you'd sleep in a hammock. I don't care about you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you don't fall out. Um, Rick now turns into hunky Rick the prick. Takes his shirt off. Gets his big six-pack out. Oh, yeah. Starts <laughs> moving some big bundles of hay. Yeah, starts lifting it into the barn. And then uh, he tells Chris that he gave up a weekend with Mary Jo Conrad for this. Very toxic behaviour. Imagine how different things would have been if he went and spent a weekend with Mary Jo Conrad. <laughs> that bitch. <laughs> Sorry. What the fuck kind of name is Mary Jo Conrad? <laughs> That's like such a made up fake name. <laughs> and we're gonna get a message now for someone listening. Like, my name's Mary Jo Conrad, <laughs> and I come from a lineage of twenty Mary Jo Conrads. Do not make fun of my name. And I invited Rick to my place. I invited Rick. <laughs> he uh, he then he's lifting up this uh, this final barrel of hay, and he is really struggling. Yeah, he wasn't struggling before. He no. was moving this hay. Massive but, barrels of hay. Like massive. They were huge. Yeah, and he's really struggling with this one. Uh, you know, he's a big, strong guy, but he cannot lift this up. And it's revealed, it's Chris <laughs> on the thing used to lift the hay up. Yeah. So, 
once again, shaming her for her weight. Yeah. So it's, she's on the so it's a rope. So it's it's being like there's a pulley and he's pulling it and the hay's going up into the barn, the top level of the barn. And yeah, so he's really really struggling to lift her. Yeah. And she's not bothered by this at all. She doesn't laugh about it. But she's not a big girl. Let, let, no, let's she's be not clear. even. No. She's not. The actress playing her is not a big girl. So someone screams. Um, they all run back. Well, it, her and uh, Rick run back to the house. Chris effortlessly kicks the door open she to does. investigate and finds Shelley in a wardrobe with an axe to the head. So they all gather around him. Don't get your hopes up, guys. Unfortunately, <laughs> Andy tickles him and it was a prank. Chris, Andy and Chili are fuming. Absolutely Just fuming. Chris, Andy and Chili. Yeah. Uh, Rick's not that bothered, which will be important soon. After this, Vera and Shelley go to the store. Yeah, so this is where I'm confused with Vera's relationship with the group. Is that, so Vera just turns to Rick and says, I need to go to the store, can yeah. I borrow your car? Rick's like, yeah, go for it. But as far as I'm concerned, they've only just met. Yeah. And she's like, can I borrow your car? Yeah, yeah sure, take my keys, bye. And then he's fuming when something happens to it. <laughs> when it's him who was like, yeah, just take my car. <laughs> this absolute stranger. Um, uh, so after this, Chris and Debbie have a bitch about Shelley. Yeah, she's still fuming and they start bitching about him. <laughs> but not for long because Chris has more important things to talk about. Like what happened to her the year before. She says she's been seeing things and she shouldn't have came back because of what happened to her a year before. <laughs> Inbox me, hun. <laughs> Vera takes us... Okay, in a very bizarre sequence of events. Yeah. <laughs> I have, we had to pause this. To, to, just to, uh, you know, take it all in. Yeah. Gather our thoughts. She takes the stuff to the counter where they're playing the disco theme. Yes. In the film. Yeah. On the radio. Everyone's um, bopping along. The, the shop worker, who has hair like Joan Jett, and she's wearing a Miss Piggy t-shirt, tells Vera that they don't accept food stamps. Now, it sounds like she's just making a bitchy comment towards her. Vera sighs, turns to Shelley, who is reading a porno mag. Yeah. <laughs> Happily, without, he doesn't care who can see him, he isn't bothered. He's having a great time reading it. And she asks him for money. So clearly, she literally only had food stamps. That's, yeah. I <laughs> I don't know how to read that scene. Because what I, I thought the cashier was being racist towards Vera. Yeah. But then the film suggests that she didn't have any money. And she was going to pay with food stamps. Yeah. So then I don't know if... The film's being racist? I really don't know. And we, we don't know Vera's backstory and, you know, we're not ones to judge, but I just... I didn't know how to read that scene. And yeah. I don't know what what it was trying to do. So, she needs money, so okay. Shelley throws his Who wallet... Who she's just met. Yeah. Throws his wallet towards the screen in 3D! Whoa! Uh, the wallet drops on the floor and we are introduced uh, to our first bit of African-American representation in the Friday the 13th franchise. Two bikers who are criminals, along with uh, another biker who, again, we think may have been implied that he was Hispanic. 
Yeah, so they're called Fox and Ali. And Loco. And Loco. So we're, we're not sure if, if Loco is, is meant to be a, a Hispanic name or a Hispanic person. Uh, but Fox and Ali are, are African-American. I don't even care if Fox is a bad character. She is one of the best characters in this film. <laughs> she is, yeah. Actually, she, she, I think she's pretty much everyone's favourite to play on this uh, in yeah. Friday the 13th, the game, isn't it? She she picks the wallet up and uh, Shelley wants it back, but Loco and Ali pick him up. Fox pulls out Shelley's condom when Vera asks for the wallet back <laughs> yeah. and makes her ask for it politely. <laughs> yeah, <she does. laughs> Vera pays, grabs the groceries and they leave. Shelley's upset that Vera gave a 20 note without waiting for change. Even though what was going on in the shop. <laughs> Vera can't drive because she's absolutely fuming. Yeah. Uh, Shelley says he'll know how to handle a situation like that next time. He doesn't know how to handle a situation like that because he reverses the car into the gang's bikes. Yeah. <laughs> One of them, uh, Ali, stands in front of the car and uh, smiles at Shelley. Shelley smiles back. And then he slowly puts the window through in 3D. Yes. So he has a chain around his fist and he punches the window But he takes ages to do it. He does. He does. Yeah, it's iffy representation, isn't it? Yeah. If this is your first introduction to black characters within this franchise and they're essentially, you know, bad people, that's, that's not a good start. No. It's not, you know... Um, it gets a little better. Part five, I actually yeah. think, does it quite well. With, well part five, with, yeah. Yeah, as with, a lead with the kid and his yeah. brother and, you know, part five actually does it really well. Uh, but it is very, very iffy. I know it's 1982, mm-hmm. but, you know, we have to look at these things from a 2020 viewpoint and it, it's not a good introduction. No. Um, so... Shelley, who said he'll deal with things better next time around... He does not. After not dealing with things better that time around, still continues to not deal with things better, as he drives off, but decides to go back and then run over the bikes. So Ali is fuming and does the up yours sign as they drive away. It is, yeah. <laughs> up yours with a twirling twirl lawnmower. Huh? Andy is playing around with a yo-yo for 3D. For a very long time. Like, so they're all lounging around by the lake, aren't they? Yeah. He's then this yo-yo is up and down, up and down, up and down. Smacks Debbie in the face, to which Debbie says, "That nearly got me." <laughs> like, it did get you, love. It smacked you right in the face. We just saw it. And what's funny about this scene is how uh, this and the juggling scene later on is how <laughs> you got the way Debbie's reacting, but Andy. Is concentrating so hard <laughs> on getting it in the right spot yes. for 3D that he is yeah. just staring with this <laughs> big concentration on his face. He's not enjoying it. At no. All. He's not having fun with this. No. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense he's to why he's acting like this. So hard to get it right <laughs> in the proper place for 3D. <laughs> um, Shelly and Vera return, and Vera starts bragging about how Shelly's a hero and he saves the day. Yeah, so Vera and Shelley t- decide to explain exactly what happened at the store yeah. to everyone apart from Rick, who owns the car <laughs> that's just been destroyed. They're just like, oh, sorry, sorry, things happen sometimes, don't they? Bye. 
Yeah, Rick, who was defending Shelley before, said, that's it, I've had enough now. I've had enough of him in this fucking car and everything. It's like, well, you were defending him in the last scene you were in. <laughs> Rick acts as if the, 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 the friendship group is fucking Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses <laughs> on a ten-week bender, you know? <laughs> well, from what Chris says later on, I think they are. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Debbie says to Andy... Let's go for a swim. We'll be all alone and we can do whatever we want. Andy replies with, Sounds disgusting. Let's go. <laughs> what? Sounds disgusting? Well, they're, they're the uh, sex-obsessed couple, aren't they? I mean, <laughs> do you say that instead of saying, Sounds dirty? <laughs> Potentially. Ali, uh, Loco and Fox arrive now with petrol cans and stealing petrol from the van. Fox... This is them getting back yeah, at them. Yeah, stealing petrol. Fox investigates the How barn. How did they know where they were? Well, it's a bar. Yeah, I mean, he did run over the bikes. How did they get the bikes up and running? They don't have the bikes with them. They, they wouldn't have... Because they would hear yeah. the bikes. So... How did they get... They that? walk all that way. They walked all that way, not knowing where <laughs> they were going, because they'd never met these people before. You know? Yeah. And, and they decided to steal... Petrol from the van. Yeah. They didn't know they had a van. What was their intentions? To steal petrol from the car? What are they stealing petrol for? For their motorbikes. <laughs> but they haven't got their motorbikes. So how are they getting the petrol back to their motorbikes? Oh, my God. And the storm must have been far away enough to warrant Vera having to drive. Yeah. Borrowing Rick's car. So that must be a fair distance yeah. for them to have walked carrying these... Petrol cans. Hmm. <laughs> this Friday the 13th film doesn't have any logic. Jason gave him a lift. <laughs> um, so, Fox investigates the barn. She falls over and almost gets a pitchfork to the face. The audience does, because it's in 3D. <laughs> Come on, fake 3D jump scare. Starts swinging on the rope um, that... Chris was uh, lifted up on. She's having a lovely time, isn't she? She is. She's, she is having a time for That's her life. That's all that she needed. Just a moment to stop acting so seriously. Stop being a mean old biker. Being mean to people in the shop. And just having a fun time swinging on a bit of uh, rope. Well, I mean, Loco's not happy about it. Because like everyone else in this film, he's fuming. He, uh, he, looks, he looks away after he's had a shout at her. And then when he looks back, she's disappeared and the rope has been cut. Dun, dun, dun. So he goes into the barn, he finds her pinned to a piece of wood uh, with a pitchfork sticking out in 3D before Jason kills him with a pitchfork, also in 3D. <laughs> How many pitchforks does Jason have? Like, readily available? Yeah, I know it's a barn, but surely <laughs> if it's just Rick or... Chris's dad looking after it. What's the need for so many pitchforks? Yeah. Anyway, maybe there was an offer on or something, but I'm getting free. Well, Jason has a thing about magically finding weapons. I mean, look what he <laughs> finds in part seven. A big garden tool, whatever oh, the God. fuck it is. <laughs> so Ali goes to find them. Uh, Loco's body falls on him and Jason knocks him out. Yeah, so... Um... He starts, like, smacking him quite a few times with whatever club he has in his hand, whatever yeah. weapon he's found. Like, I don't know what it is. No. Um, but, yeah, he knocks him out. Because, spoiler alert, Ali comes back later. But you're meant to think he's dead, aren't you? Yeah. Really. Um, 
What's he doing all that time? <laughs> I don't know, I'm just having a little nap. Just enjoying it's a long it. time. He's been, he, he was swinging on that rope, wasn't he? Yeah. He was like, oh, fuck, I'm having such a good time. I'll, I'll, I'll try that. Andy's trying to impress Debbie by doing the strangest thing to try and impress someone. Uh, I mean, first of all, he's already knocked her up. He doesn't really have to do anything to impress her. But he's doing handstands whilst walking. It's not the, the last time we see this. Ultimately, it leads to him being killed. What the fuck is this all about? This is literally the makers of the film turning around to the actors and saying, what cool stuff can you do? (laughs) Oh, I can juggle. Oh, that would look great in 3D. Oh, I can walk on my hands. Hmm, I'm not sure if I'd look great on 3D, but it's really cool. So we might as well just have you constantly use it throughout the fucking film. (laughs) But it does lead to a pretty good death scene, actually. What is... Th- <laughs> Who the fuck does this? But it was set in... Yeah, I suppose this is the setup, so it doesn't seem so weird later on when he starts doing it. Yeah, Jason watches him do this from a window. I think that's when he decides that he wants to kill him. So, yeah. okay, he's got to die. He's got to go. Um, Debbie actually isn't that impressed. She actually just tells him to go play with himself. He probably does that all the fucking time. <laughs> Imagine talking to someone and randomly turning around and they're getting their feet in your fucking face. Ew. No, thank you. Rick and Chris have a conversation about why she came back. Rick is fuming that Chris is putting a barrier up between them. Oh, stop. Andy and Shelley are juggling apples and oranges in 3D. Um, And this is another scene where they're both concentrating so hard and it's so awkward to watch. Yes. They're juggling for so long. Chuck and Chili have passed out because they're so high. Oh, wait, I forgot they were in the film. Two of the best characters as well. (laughs) And Vera and Debbie are so bored. So Debbie tells Andy she has a much better thing for him to be doing with his hands. Vera tells Shelley he's very good at juggling and he stops to tell her how much he likes her. And he attempts to ask her to have sex with him. So that's how these things work. Essentially. So he says, I like you a lot. I really like you, Vera. She stops him. And well, no, he says, uh, maybe we could. Like, no, I don't think so. No. And she says, I'm going to go outside, yeah, get some air, and I'll come back in and we can talk afterwards. And he calls her a bitch behind her back. Yeah. He's like, sure, we'll talk. And as soon as she leaves, he's like, bitch. Yeah. So, again, Shelley being ridiculously toxic... Yeah. Uh, she's a bitch. She's, you know, an arsehole because he, apparently, even though he has low self-esteem, Vera should still want to throw herself at him. Yeah, apparently. Mm. Jason watches Shelley from the window. And what really confuses me about this is, I always think this is going to be his death scene because somewhat the cameraman sneaks up on him, essentially, because <laughs> it's not Jason. <laughs> yeah. Because he doesn't get killed. No. Someone sneaks up at him and he turns around and gets a stupid fucking look at the camera. <laughs> and it's like, what? <laughs> Either way, whoever's sneaking up behind you, you're not phased by it whatsoever. No. <laughs> and it turns out it was no one. So, Andy wants to know how to have sex in a hammock. So they start getting it on to figure it out quite quickly. Yeah, yeah. They're quite adaptable. Chris finally wants to tell Rick and therefore the audience... What happened to her? So she tells a story about when her parents argued with her after a night out with Rick and her mum slapped her. 
She ran out into the woods because she wanted to punch him and decided to just worry him instead. Um, you know, psychological fighting back <laughs> rather than anything else. Um, we then get a flashback to Chris asleep by a tree, uh, being woken up by someone walking. She spots Jason with no mask on. He had a knife. Uh, she kicked the knife out of his hand. He drags her away and then apparently she blacked out. She doesn't know what happened after. She just woke up in a bed and her parents acted like the whole thing never happened. Okay. When the fuck did this happen? So, Jason did not like he was in this film in part two. He had long hair. Yeah. He, he looked nothing like this. No. Prior to that, he was essentially a child. Well, he had part a big two, he hair. had big tufts of hair, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, so in this flashback, he had no hair. He looks like he does in part three. So when the fuck did this happen? When was Jason randomly around to pull her from behind a tree? She, I think the she, said, had up. she said she hadn't been there for two years. Yeah? Mm. So this happened just after part two. Like, the day after. Yeah. Yeah? So... I don't know. I don't know when part one... If we just ignore part one for now, then... Be, because obviously, if, if she was aware of the events of part one... Okay, so she's not aware of the, the events of part two. She hasn't seen a TV. Okay. It, even though it happened at Crystal Lake. So there should still be police and everyone around. But she should still know about part one. Yeah. She should still know about what happened in part one. So when she was attacked by a random person... Mm-hmm. however long ago it was, she should have connected that to the events of part one, potentially. Yeah? Yeah. So, what she... I, I have no idea. I... He was wearing dungarees in part two. Yeah, yeah. He had a bag on his head. Yeah, so so the, Jason's inconsistent in it. He looks... But she's, in she's the flashback... He was hideous and grotesque yeah. and inhuman. But in the flashback, he him. looks the exact same as he does in part three. Yeah. Well, of course. But what, what I don't get is... So, number one, why is she only tanning Rick now? <laughs> when she was in a relationship with Rick at the time... Yeah, that's true. Like, he dropped her home. This happened because of him. And this happened because he stayed with her for... T you know, she stayed with him for too long. So why is he only now hearing this story? Yeah. And what I, I think is two years later? Mm -hmm. Even though they'd seen each other the year previous, but potentially not... Or was it months previous? I don't fucking know. Wait, no, it's just no, so no, no, no. You, you know what? Jason gets around a bit. We, we know this because in part eight, there's another similar backstory yeah. where he pops up underwater and scares a girl. Like, so he's always waiting around to scare random characters that have become potential final girls. But also, Jason is known to kill many people. Yeah. Why did she survive? <laughs> don't ask that question. We know how she survived. She probably blacked out and kicked his fucking ass like she does at the end of this film. <laughs> yeah. So, but and why would her parents just not mention it? Yeah. Why would they not? It's, it's weird. There's just so many. This is this, so last minute. This whole part of the film and it, it it really kind of ruins the film a lot for me. I, I, you know, overall, I don't think this is a great film, but it kind of ruins it for me because it's so. But she goes on and on about it, mm. and when she actually gets to it, none of it makes any fucking sense. <laughs> So she's she's whinged and she's moaned 
and all for this shitty backstory that doesn't add anything to the film whatsoever because it started off that she was sexually assaulted by Jason Mm. but they didn't want to go that far but what they did was not go far enough and just make a really illogical backstory for this character well yeah so that's the big story that you're all waiting for (laughs) Chuck goes for a shit and uh, smokes weed whilst on the toilet. Second person to go for a shit. Second person not film. to wipe. Second person not to wipe after hearing a strange noise. Uh, yeah, Jason shakes the toilet, which is one of the outdoor ones. Is it Jason? I, I thought it was Chili taking the piss. No, it was Jason. Oh, it was Jason shaking the <laughs> Yeah. Or whatever Ch- it was, outdoor toilet. Chuck obviously thinks it's Shelly and watches Jason walk away into the barn. Chili provides a fake jump scare. Before suggesting, thank you. It'd been a while. Thanks, Chili. Before suggesting that they give Shelley some of his own medicine, so they go to the barn, and Chili's idea of uh, giving him a taste of his own medicine is by getting a real fucking massive axe. Yeah. <laughs> jumping around a corner and saying, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> what? And then as they leave, we see Jason, don't we? Watching yeah. them leave. So what I don't understand is Jason is a very, very big man. Teleports, and... Chris. Sorry? He teleports. Oh, teleports. Sorry. I thought he was hiding in the barn. And this very big man trying to hide where there's not really many places to hide in the barn. Yeah. For, you know, what is he, like, seven foot or whatever. So Vera's uh, relaxing by the lake, having a lovely time. Someone grabs her feet for a fake jump scare. And who is it? It's Shelly in a fucking wetsuit with a hockey mask on and a harpoon gun. Yeah. She's fuming. Absolutely fuming. He doesn't know when to stop. Like, when, you know, you need to draw a line somewhere when it's not funny. And she tells him that he doesn't have to play these pranks for people to like him. He tells her that um, she's... Well, he tells her that he's a nothing. She doesn't agree, but he doesn't believe her and he storms off. Because someone gave him a compliment. Yeah, so he's trying to guilt trip her into having feelings for him. So toxic. He's such a prick. I fucking hate this guy. So he spots something in the barn and goes to investigate. He wants to know if it's Chuck and Chili in there and if they're doing something that he shouldn't see. (laughs) He gets a fake jump scare by a fallen horse head. With cow head, wasn't it? Or a cow head. Yeah. And he's not bothered about this. He laughs it off. So, if it, the, this film does it so many times where inanimate objects suddenly decide to come alive yeah. uh, for a fantastic fake jump scare. Vera finds Shelley's wallet and she's actually impressed when she finds a picture of him and his mother in there. So impressed that she drops it in the lake. <laughs> Jason approaches, uh, now with uh, the iconic hockey mask that once belonged to Shelley. Um, every time you see the hockey mask, it belongs know, to Shelley. Um, so he approaches with the hockey mask and the harpoon gun, not in a wetsuit, about, you know, two foot taller than Shelley. Yeah. And yet Vera turns to him and says, hi, I dropped your wallet. Oh, no. <laughs> That's clearly not Shelley. Get your eyes tested, love. But then... She, she'll definitely need her eyes tested after this. Well, then she says, uh, who are you? What are you doing? And then he points the harpoon gun at her and she says, Hey, now you cut that out. And in 3D, she gets shot in the eye with the harpoon gun. And what's really good about this scene 
is it shows how good of an antagonist, a slasher villain, uh, Jason Voorhees is because he shoots her in the eye and he just casually walks away without giving a shit. <laughs> yeah. Just walks towards the house. It's like, there's no victim gone. And that's really good. And that's, you know, one of the few moments in the franchise where he looks scary because it's like, oh shit, he doesn't care. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, Debbie and Andy finish having sex and she tells him that was the best one yet. Yeah, she thinks it's the hammock. Well, she doesn't know it's because of her, him, or the hammock. Yeah, he thinks it's him, she thinks it's the hammock. So, thank you to Chris for giving her the hammock. Yeah. (laughs) She's very pleased. Uh, She goes to take a shower whilst Jason enters the house. And Andy, being a fucking idiot, doing a stupid fucking thing again, walks into the bathroom on his hands. Yeah, so we get a handstand shower fake jump scare. And he asks her if she wants a beer, to which she says yes, as a pregnant woman. Uh, <laughs> so she can't eat any weed, but she can have a, a beer. Yeah. Um, so Andy's still walking on his hands, goes out into the hallway, and gets in quite a good death scene, yeah. uh, machete to the gooch. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, this is shot from underneath. So it's on like a glass, as, as if we're looking through the floor. And, yeah, he just ends up, like, crumpled, doesn't he? Just smack. It looks great. It really does look great. And, it, you know, it's not overly bloody or anything like that. But, you know, a machete to the goo. Yeah, just the imagination um, for that scene does enough. For our American listeners, when I say gooch, I think you call it a taint. Um, So, yeah, a machete to the the taint. Good to know. (laughs) Minor detail, but it's something I couldn't have a notice. Debbie was taking a shower with a pearl necklace. <laughs> an actual pearl necklace. Don't be rude. Uh, and then when she leaves the bathroom, it disappears. She ain't wearing it anymore. She's not, no. She gets into the hammock. She's reading Fangoria. <laughs> one, <laughs> one page is Tom Savini. The other is Godzilla. <laughs> and blood drips on the magazine. She looks up and Andy has been cut in half above her. And Jason kills her by sticking a machete through her chest from below the hammock. Yeah, so Jason, uh, being the magician that he is, manages to cut someone in half in the hallway without dripping a single bit of blood until uh, she, Debbie sat underneath. Yeah. It's incredible. Um, <laughs> Chuck wants to know why Chili doesn't scream when they have sex. And she tells him to give her something to scream about and she might do it. The lights go out, she screams, he wants to know what it was, and she says she's just practising. Yes. He's, he was making pop, 3D popcorn he was, that as well. He was. So it's a good job he was shit at making popcorn, because it was going everywhere, <laughs> but it made a great 3D effect. Uh, Chuck goes to check the fuse box after being told to be a man. Man? Yeah. Shelly comes back with his throat slit, and Chili isn't phased because she thinks he's just joking around and tells him to stop falling around. Yeah. Jason throws Chuck into the fuse box and kills him. When Chili realises that Shelley's actually dead, finds Debbie and Andy's bodies, and then runs around the house saying, Oh my God! Oh my God! Oh my God! This is quite a famous scene of bad acting. She's just... She looks like she's had Botox. She doesn't really know how to emote. (laughs) But soon enough, she's put out of her misery when Jason stabs her with a hot fire poker. And carries her away. That's one hot chilli. Thank you. Rick and Chris arrive back at the house. 
Chris finds it hard to believe that the wild bunch are in bed. <laughs> How the fuck are they the wild bunch? One of them's pregnant, for fuck's sake. <laughs> one of them's Shelley. Yeah, one of them's Shelley. Rick thinks everyone's left them. He goes outside to have a look around. Then when Chris goes to look for Rick, we get another really great death scene. Now, the practical effects in this film are great when they're really great. Are really great when they're great, shall I say. Yeah. But even when they look shit, they're great. Yeah, so he's got his head <laughs> this is an squeezed, example. and it, it, his eyeball just pops out, doesn't it? Yeah, in 3D, screen. of course. But you can kind of see that there's like it's a, a fake it's, head. It's a, ta- a really fake head that kind of doesn't look like Rick at all. But there's like uh, the eyes attached to some sort of metal pole yeah. or something. We go, boing! It's <laughs> like a robot head. It looks it's terrible, like... but it's great because of that. Oh, it's great. It's iconic. It looks... Um... So Chris finds some clothes in the bath that's now full of blood. Yeah. Just the clothes. Bloody clothes in the bath. That it's all flowing over, isn't it? Flooding yeah. The she bathroom. she goes to the barn to look for Rick, but Loco's body falls from a tree, causing her to run back to the house. Yeah. Uh, Rick's corpse gets thrown through a window that Jason then climbs through, and this is when Chris turns into the best Friday the Thirteenth Final Girl. She does. She pushes all of the books from a bookcase onto Jason. Yeah. After finding Debbie's corpse, Jason axes his way through the door. Uh, she pulls a knife from Debbie's back and stabs him in the hand. Yeah. Very <laughs> shining. Yeah. I, I found that was the shining with Uh She chases him away with the knife and stabs him in the leg. <laughs> Jason pulls the knife out and throws it at Chris in 3D but misses. Chris gets through a window and despite Jason trying to stop her. She stands by the door. Instead of running away, she stands by the door and waits for Jason to leave before knocking him over the head with a log and sending him flying. She then drives away in the van and attempts to run Jason over, but he jumps out of the way. It's weird seeing Jason, like, <laughs> jump like that. Jason is absolutely carrying away this entire sequence. Yeah. In the, in the later films, he'll just stand there and let anything happen to himself. Yeah. In this, he is really getting his ass handed to him. He re- yeah, she really does. This is him meeting his match. He fights someone with telekinesis, for fuck's sake, in part seven. Yeah. Still not as much of an impact as this. Yeah. <laughs> the only other person that's fought him like this is Ginny. Yeah. When she kicked him with a fucking chair. <laughs> so the van runs out of gas as so she drives over a bridge. Jason limps over to her as the bridge starts to collapse and grabs her throat, but she escapes, leaving him stuck in the window. Yeah, yeah, she closes the window on his arms, doesn't she? Yeah, she he smashes it by headbutting it. She runs to the barn, he chases after her, and whilst uh, he's searching for her, she's hiding above him, and she drops down onto him, knocking him over. Yeah, proper WWE style. <laughs> ah, frog splash. Jason tries to hit her with a machete, but misses. Chris goes to the top of the barn, waits for him, and hits him over the head with a spade, knocking him out. She then hangs him, she, she hangs him from the rope that she was climbing up on earlier on in the film. Yeah. Um, Chris attempts to leave the barn, but he comes back to life as he's hanging, lifts his mask up, and gives her a smile. Yeah, revealing to her that this was the guy that assaulted her the two years previous. Yeah. So she recognises his grotesque face. And he smiles at her. Jason yes. smiles <laughs> at someone. Alright, love. It's been a while. Um... Yeah, so, after this, she's obviously angrier now because she's found out it's that guy who caused her to attention-seek for an hour in a film. 
So what she does now uh, is he puts the mask back on. Ali is still alive and tries attacking Jason, but gets his hand cut off straight away. Yeah. And then gets stabbed to death with a machete. And uh, Chris gives Jason an axe to the head in 3D. He lifts his hands up, walks towards her, and collapses. So that is how you defeat Jason Voorhees. You keep the shit out of him. Um, so she gets in a canoe, goes out to the lake just like Alice from the first film. She wakes up in a canoe and it's daylight. A branch and a duck give her fake jump scares. Oh, a fucking duck fake jump scare. Piss me off. A branch fake jump scare. Fake, bro. Yeah, as well. Uh, she spots Jason watching her from the house, still smiling at her. <laughs> she tries rowing away um, and Jason runs towards her and then disappears. And in a bizarre sequence of events, the rotten corpse of Pamela Voorhees, who was clearly decapitated in the first film, <laughs> yeah. jumps out from the lake and drags her in. Yeah. It's so stupid. It, it's it's just a copy of the jump scare from the first film. It's, it's so... This film has so many fucking jump scares. The majority of them are fake jump scares. And when you get to an actual real one, it's just a carbon copy of the first fucking film. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like it was all building up to this. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's fan service. Um, but when you're only three films in, do you really need fan service? Exactly. The immortal classic, Friday the 13th. <laughs> yeah. Um, especially when you've got to include the ending of the second film at the start and a whole news report telling you what happened. Exactly. Because you expect yeah. people to have not seen it. Yeah. How would they know what happened at the end of the first film? <laughs> yeah, that's true. The police arrive and discuss how Chris is the only survivor and they think her talking about a lady in the lake is her flipping out because all of her friends were killed. So as the police drive her away, she's laughing, just like Sally at the end of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes. Jason's corpse is still on the barn floor with an axe sticking out of his head. And just like in the first Friday the 13th film, we end on a ripple in the water. Ooh. Could it be Pamela Voorhees? No, it's not. No, it's not. No, we never see her again. <laughs> we get a disco theme over the end credits, and that's Friday the 13th Part 3. That is, yes. Do you know what? I, I really don't hate that film. It's... It's goofy fun. It's it's a trash to piece. Yeah. It, it's one of those films that I enjoy watching because it's funny to watch. Yeah. And it's fun to watch. It's illogical as hell. But it does have probably my favourite final go. That last series of events yeah. within the film cements her as a great final girl. She's annoying, you know, for the rest of it. Mm-hmm. But she absolutely kicks the shit out of Jason. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really good to see. It's, it's fun. It's fun yeah. to see. And, and, you know, this is the 80s. This is a time where everyone was saying that, you know, horror films were misogynistic, um, you know, they hate women and whatever. And then you get a film like this that really combats that theory and just says, no, hang on a minute. This is clearly a very empowering film for women within yeah. that last 10 minutes. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, the rest of the film, you've got people forcing themselves on people and trying to guilt trip them into having sex. I mean, Shelley doesn't get his way. No, you know, I suppose not. He doesn't get he, his way. Rick didn't get his Rick way. Rick didn't get his way. No. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, that's a good way of looking at this film. It, it, there are elements that are empowering to women, which is great. Yeah, the toxic people get their just desserts. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The yeah, toxic people get their just desserts in the end. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I, it's, it's, it is really fun to watch. I, I, I think I appreciate this more every time I watch it. I really want to watch it in proper 3D, though. Yeah, which has been released in America as part of the new box set. Yeah, um, so as in, like, proper 3D, yeah, yeah, not yeah. the red and blue. No, the, the actual real D. Ah. Yeah, so that's Friday the 13th, part three. Our uh, long coverage of this franchise continues. I was going to say long-awaited <laughs> sequel. We're back in August next year. <laughs> so we'll see you in August next year for part four, the final chapter. We might, yes. Spoiler yeah, so alert, it's not the final well, chapter. Well, I mean, we'll see if we can sort some out, maybe do a double episode for it. I don't know. Get through it a little fi- quicker. Um, but yeah, so... Thanks for listening. If you are listening on Spotify, uh, give us a follow, like a follow on SoundCloud and whatnot. Rate if you subscribe on iTunes. Uh, let us know what you think to Friday the 13th Part 3. What's your favourite Friday the 13th film? Uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram, Horror Court Trash Other, Horror Court Trash on Twitter. I'm Gazmo205 on Instagram, GazCruise92 on Twitter, DeadAtGaz92 on Letterboxd. I'm Chris Barker823 on Letterboxd, Instagram and Twitter. And we'll see you on Tuesday for Street Fighter. Yes. We'll see you on Tuesday. This is where you say bye. This is your thing. Bye.